Hey, what's going on, friends and fam? It's John. It's time for the J-Mart cast for September 19th, 2022. What's going on? How are ya? Man, it's been a good week. Hope you've had a good one as well. I'll start off by telling you of a story of what I did yesterday. I went and visited a farm just outside of Toronto, about an hour and a half, uh, close to Listowel, if anyone knows where that is. North of Kitchener, I suppose, is another way of describing it. But anyway, this farm is called Echo Valley Ranch, and they're a very unique farm in the fact that they offer unpasteurized milk. So yeah, I uh, heard about this uh, place through Facebook. You have to like join like secret little Facebook groups that are allowed to talk about <laughs> certain you know topics that uh, you wouldn't normally be allowed to talk about if it's a more of like a public forum, right? So you find this little secret Facebook group and they'll tell you about it if you ask nicely. And then the, um, the farm itself, it can only operate by having a membership because um, basically what you're doing is you're creating this thing called a herd share where you're all on paper theoretically owners together of like some of the capital on the farm, specifically the cows in this case, because the whole thing is about milk, pasteurizing it versus not, right? So basically in Canada, it is illegal to sell unpasteurized milk. And so as a way to get around that, like um, what you have to do is you have to declare that, well, okay, they're not selling me the milk. All they're doing is working for me because I'm part owner of this cow. And so they're working with me for me to take care of the cow and milk it. And then as owner of the cow, I'm also owner of the milk that it, that he milks. So I just get it. <laughs> so this is what you got to do. And this was actually something that was the only way that people in Ontario could get their hands on an unpasteurized milk. And then apparently like there was a, and a, uh, it got overturned. This whole thing got overturned. And so the, the farmer who I met, which who was the nicest guy, by the way, this guy named Brad, just like real salt of the earth type of person. What you, if you close your eyes and try to imagine like a, the idyllic farmer, it's exactly who this guy was, kind of like a, a bigger built dude with really big, strong hands. Like when he shook my hand, I was just like in awe of how strong and big his hand was. <laughs> and, you know, he's wearing the classic farmer jeans with like a button shirt and a cowboy hat. And he spoke very calmly and expressed and communicated everything so clearly and uh, beautifully. It was it was uh, really nice to meet him. Uh, where was I going with this? Hold on. Right. I was talking about how the herd share program got overturned. And so there was somebody who was now appealing the whole thing in order to kind of continue, you know, being able to provide <laughs> unpasteurized milk to their clients. And then also because once it's in the, an appeal process, then the whole thing becomes um, like this waiting game until the court ruling happens and then up until then everything's kind of in a gray area so like basically nothing really happens the status quo remains 
And so just as this guy had really invested a lot of, you know, capital money into starting this, uh, you know, farm, all of a sudden the ruling gets overturned, but luckily the appeal process was able to allow him to continue and, you know, serve his clients, but also <laughs> make a living for himself, right? Like, but now even that is kind of stopping where just very recently, I think near the beginning of a pandemic or just slightly after, uh, the person who was doing the appeals stopped and immediately, I think you mentioned Omafra. Let's see, what is that? It's the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food, and Rural Affairs. That's an Ontario government ministry responsible for the food, agriculture, and rural sectors of the Canadian province of Ontario. Why does that even exist, first of all? But, like, these guys, like, immediately, apparently they were, like, watching his operations from, like, a distance for quite some time just to see their schedule and then because they wanted to slap them with charges in the middle of performing like a delivery. Yeah, so basically they did a big raid on him with a bunch of cops, which seems like a huge waste of resources, quite honestly. Like, I don't want my tax dollars doing that kind of stuff. I don't know about you, but preferably preferably use the money to go after people who do bad stuff, like, uh, you know, killing, shooting, like stabbing, uh stealing, all that kind of stuff. I'm against that. I'm not against people just selling unpasteurized milk. So such a waste of time. So uh, he got a bunch of charges while they did the raid. They like took a bunch of stuff, like in terms of like documents, uh, uh, paper and digital records. Um, Anyway, um, uh, one good thing he said was because public health was so busy with COVID, he, um, they didn't come down to and give a cease and desist, um, like a charge to him, which meant that he could continue operating, you know, without like in breach of a, that kind of a cease and desist, which could be a lot more serious. Anyway, quite the interesting story. Like we did a tour of his facilities and, from what I saw and what I understand, like he seems to be doing like a great job of ensuring that his cows are clean before and during the milking process. And the equipment itself is also sterilized and cleaned between each milking cycle. And so if things are done right and it's a small kind of operation, I just don't see how this could be an issue at all for anything like bad to happen except for people to get what they want and possibly reap some health benefits. <laughs> yeah, this is why people want access to unpasteurized milk because the health benefits are lost when you pasteurize. Some of them, right? Like there's still some good things about unpasteurized milk like let's not go overboard in like throwing out the baby with the bath water if that like i'm not sure if that metaphor um <laughs> fits quite uh, correctly but you know unpasteurizing did have a role through throughout history in helping helping people in sa- saving lives um but i think it was 
I don't know the exact details of this. I haven't read up on it and studied up on it, but I think it has to do with the um, urbanization of like our society and also like the increased need in production to support that, right? With more people living in cities, you need to produce more milk to feed all these people. And then this leads to bigger and bigger productions. And then when you have bigger and bigger productions, it's harder and harder to keep things sterile and clean, leading to mistakes being made, corners being cut. Um, yeah. And so that leads to contaminated product and people consuming that and getting hurt. And then, of course, the road to hell is paved with good intentions and with the good intention of trying to save and protect people, we decide that we have to pasteurize all milk and that unpasteurized milk has no role at all in human consumption. Meanwhile, we have like a freaking hundreds of thousands, <laughs> like thousands of years. I think like not hundreds of thousands. I made a mistake there. Like thousands. I, I think it goes back as late as tens of thousands of years of like human history of consuming consuming dairy from from cows and such but like somehow we just decide we're gonna we know better than our have our, our human evolutionary history yeah i don't know it's just insane to me that we just decide just across the board we can't have this and there's like it's much easier to do that than to simply like have higher standards right like like we have laws like if you break a certain standard like you have to pay for that maybe we just try to enforce that a little bit better right like why is it that you can go and buy alcohol all the time everywhere even though alcohol is really bad for you it's because like they do a really good job enforcing that no one sells you poison like alcohol is poison but like in small amounts <laughs> you know you can tolerate it but it used to be that even in small amounts, they would have like some really bad stuff in there and you you would get sick from drinking it. But then high government standards were placed and people who broke them were like made examples of. And then all of a sudden we have like all these, you know, alcohol makers that produce high quality um, product that people can't get sick from, from just consuming small amounts. And that's good. That's great. Like, that's how it should work. We can demand that from from milk production, can't we? Like, why can't we uh, have the same thing for unpasteurized dairy products? Um, you know, you have high standards. And if anyone breaks those standards, they're made an example of with a heavy, whatever it may be, maybe it's a, just a fine or maybe it's more severe than that. It's a severe punishment, like whatever it takes. And then like, that's what the market dictates, right? That's what we want. So why can't we have what we want? Because the government, the science knows better, right? That's what it always comes down to. There's always some story of like, oh, little Billy had some unpasteurized milk and then he died. So now we got to protect everybody because we can't have, we can't have that happen again. 
most of the time you look into those stories, they're all fake. That's what I'm going to go with. Like, and even if they're not, life is inherently dangerous. We can't stop people from experiencing it the way that they want to (laughs) just because we think we're protecting them. Again, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Anyway, so now what's interesting is all this applies to um, cow milk, cow dairy. But apparently this is specific to cow dairy, but not so much buffalo dairy. And so this guys have like in the last two years been transitioning to be buffalo dairy only farm because why deal with the headache of mm, cow dairy if this is what they have to deal with, right? This level of government harassment, government overreach. But, you know, in order to get to a point where they can still serve the same customer base with buffalo they needed to have a hybrid period where they still have cow and buffalo together so that they could increase production with the buffalo but also learn how to deal with the animal because they're according to them quite different and not in a good way in some ways either because they only produce two-thirds of what a cow will produce in terms of milk so they're taking a hit there also they're a little larger than uh cows are so in terms of space for like where how many they can milk in the space they have like they fit six cows but only five buffalo so you know there's there's that as well but all of this like hit in production they're willing to take just to avoid to have to deal with all this bullshit that they have to deal with from omafra ontario ministry or ministry of agriculture food and rural affairs Thank you, government ministries, for nothing. (laughs) Okay, here's another thing. Um, Recent episode of Joe Rogan podcast, number 1870. Holy shit, I can't believe he's had 1870 episodes. Uh, Podcast guest, Max La Gouvert. A great podcast, highly recommend listening to it. I'm about two-thirds way done, but... I'll give a quick summary of what I've learned so far. But basically, this guy's mother has a very unique form of dementia, which um, I can't remember which exact kind it is. But what's it? what I learned from that episode is actually dementia can happen with a bunch of different diseases. And the one most commonly is Alzheimer's disease. And that's the one that has the most uh, research on it the most kind of uh, literature you can refer to. And so this guy, once he learned that his mom was, you know, had dementia and then kind of went down the rabbit hole of doing research, was able to come to a conclusion that your nutrition has a large impact on how you will display your dementia and how severe the symptoms can be. And so it's not something that... (laughs) any of the uh, experts that he encountered uh, had told him and it had to be something that he had to learn about through just diving deep into what what's out there on, on the subject in terms of published literature. And so just an amazing podcast to listen to, but the most amazing thing that I think I took from that episode was the story about 
how like the largest kind of driving narrative in research in Alzheimer's disease has been like this thing about amyloid plaques building in the brain as like the causing factor in creating Alzheimer's disease and dementia in the fact that when you have this disease, you have this, these little plaques that show up on brain scans or not maybe scans, but brain images that you get like postmortem where like you have dots in the brain. And then when you look at it on a molecular level, there's like this protein called amyloid beta protein. I can't exactly remember the name of it, but it's kind of like this thing that jumbles up together by itself and then gets so big, then it starts like jumbling up a bunch of other stuff. And they think like, it's like this vortex or whatever that just like keeps jumbling up more and more stuff and make like making your brain basically dysfunctional. And that's why you get dementia. And so it's, been this story that they're telling us to why this is why people get dementia. You get this amyloid beta plaques and then you get dementia. But what it's interesting is it's like, there's this correlation, right? That people who have dementia or Alzheimer's disease have these amyloid plaques in the brain, but then it's never actually been shown that those things are actually what's causing dementia and that if you like remove them that you actually see an improvement in any of like the brain function itself and like things that you could say okay the quality of life has improved because there's some sort of symptom relief from the dementia but that's never actually been shown (laughs) but still this narrative has existed for a long time And then like something like just over 10 years ago, as the theory was starting to wane down and people were starting to move on to different possibilities, there's like this paper that was published that showed that there's actually, if you can isolate a certain form of this amyloid protein and, you know, uh, shoot it into the brain of certain mice, you like force them to develop uh, like uh, functional, like problems with their brain where they can't perform certain tasks anymore which they used to be able to do and so that was kind of a a new wind in the sail of this idea and that continued like more and more uh research into it and more and more drugs into like getting rid of these amyloid beta plaques but it turns out this whole thing was fraudulent (laughs) like the person completely made up everything and now there are drugs out there that have been approved based on this you know, paper that's fraudulent that are supposed to decrease the beta plaques, which they do. They're actually able to decrease the beta plaques, but they have no impact whatsoever on the actual function or cognition of the brain in terms of like day-to-day activities. So there's no actual improvement in function, just a decrease in amyloid plaques and a whole host of adverse reactions, by the way, (laughs) and cooking of the brain furthermore. (laughs) But you know, doesn't matter. And it kind of just reminded me of um, the exact same thing that I've been harping on for the last little while, which is cholesterol and saturated fat, right? This whole thing about how cholesterol is bad for you. And we know that saturated fat raises your cholesterol. So we must decrease saturated fat consumption to lower cholesterol back down in order to save your heart. Same thing, right? Like you get a bunch of these amyloid plaques in your brain and you get Alzheimer's. So 
we have to get rid of the amyloid plaques and you won't have Alzheimer's anymore. Like such simplistic first order thinking. But this is what <laughs> gets passed for the science. Um, let's see, what else did I want to go talk about? Oh yeah, the, the Trudeau has to go or Trudeau must go hashtag on Twitter. That's been like going crazy. That's been fun to see. I felt like for a while there, I was the only person that didn't like Trudeau. Turns out there's lots of people, not just me. <laughs> um, so that's been great. And my favorite, one of the tweets that I read was from um, Daniel Bulford, who is a was an RCMP officer. I don't know if he's still one, but he was an RCMP officer who was on the personal protection detail for Trudeau. And like from the mandates and passports and everything, he basically quit his position. And he... Uh, he had one of those tweets. His was, uh, 40 years old, husband and father to courageous wife and kids. I helped protect JT in Canada and abroad. I couldn't be silent about the harms of injections, denial of early treatment, and intimidation, censorship of medical science experts. Hashtag Trudeau has got to go. Yeah. There's so many of these, like getting, you know, tens of thousands of likes and thousands of retweets, so good to see and then of course there's like uh people pretending that it's just bots doing this when it's clearly not but you know you just have to distort reality just a little bit and that's how the world works now as long as just a little bit of distortion no one really knows what the truth is and they can just go on with their lives assuming their previous like biases and not ever looking beyond their i don't know Thoughts, ideas, and beliefs. <laughs> All right, Bitcoin update for the week. Let's go to bitbo.io. One Bitcoin is trading for 19,846 US dollars. One US dollar will buy you 5,039 Satoshis. Satoshis are the smallest subunit that Bitcoin can break down into. Bitcoin can be subdivided 100 million times. So one Satoshi is one hundred millionth of a Bitcoin. And just a reminder that you can buy Bitcoin if you're in Canada using ShakePay. They're a great exchange that uh, doesn't take too much fees and they have a very easy to use interface in order to figure out what to do. Highly recommend them. I have a an affiliate link down below in the description of the podcast. So check it out. If you purchase a hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin, I think you get $30 of dollars in rewards. So if that interests you, you can sign up through the link. I'm not going to go too deep today into Bitcoin at all. I'm just going to say that I'm going through this book right now called The Fiat Standard, written by Saifedean Amos, who is the author of the uh, another book called The Bitcoin Standard. This is The Fiat Standard, his follow-up book, which is excellent. Just want to recommend it. And I think I'm going to just try to find some passages that are really good and interesting to read through for the podcast next week. So a little bit of a tease there for what's coming up, but not too much else to say this week. So thank you very much for listening and take it easy. Have a good week. As always, stay active, be grateful. Jay Mart out.